This show is sponsored in part by the Mid-OhioCon, October 4th and 5th, 2008, at the Greater Columbus Convention Center in Columbus, Ohio. For more information, visit midohiocon.com. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and we will go into detail about the topics we discuss. So if you haven't read, listened to, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. This issue, Mighty Cthulhu rests at Ryloth. Britt Reed and Kato emerge from the Black Beauty. Cliff Jumper gets ready to layeth the smacketh downeth on a hobbit. Here's a hint from Matthew, bet on the giant robot. Where to start collecting comics, how to stop watching anime, why to keep up with Secret Invasion, who will win our multiple contests, what is up with the new Hitchhiker's Guide, which panelist has a migraine, when is all this frippery? Right now, Bucky O'Hare, the Schleicher has turned on the no smoking sign, so strap your tray tables up, secure all personal belongings, and please return the stewardess to her original upright position the major spoilers podcast is on the air i like it <laughs> schleicher i hardly know her hey welcome to the show everybody this week uh my sniffles are pretty much gone but the cold has moved to my chest so if you hear somebody hacking up a lung in the background uh, during our conversation that would be me mm. and i'm the one with the migraine by the way yeah. thank you very much and Rodrigo's just kicking back all mellow after drinking his uh, Colt 44, so. Yeah. Colt 45. <laughs> so some top stories this week uh, kind of slipped by a lot of people's radar. Anybody notice that Toonami ended their uh, ended their programming block? Uh, no. I didn't no. notice until you, know, you mentioned it. I used to watch a little bit of Toonami, but for a long time they were, they had on... Um, you know, they had, like, one show I wanted to watch completely surrounded by shows that I didn't want to watch. Yes. Um, what I've actually been watching on and off for a while is just kind of the the later Cartoon Network stuff, mm-hmm. like Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends yeah, yeah, yeah. and Chowder and stuff like that. Like, those shows are hilarious. Yeah. Well, Toonami used to have, if I remember correctly, used to have the Justice League yeah. series in it. And that's the only and, reason and I why think I think Samurai Jack was sitting around yeah. Toonami for a while. Yeah. But I think that wasn't a... their original place, though. They were right. moved there. Right. What were you going to say, Matthew? They had Teen Titans for a while, which is when yeah, I actually the other watched. One. That's the other one that I would watch, too. So, yeah. Toonami, no more. They ended their broadcast. But they did sign off in kind of a clever way with a whole new animated uh, little vignette mm-hmm. right at the very end saying, Dear friends, this is the end. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, by that guy. I think they call him Tom or something like that. I would not yeah. know. Uh, Tommy Toonami. Right. Oh, is that it? Ah, that's cool. Yeah. And, you know, he's the voice of Toonami has always been. He's, right. He's been like three different ro- robots throughout the run, but, you know, it's always the same the, voice. And it's fascinating to me that I sat there and I'm like, I felt, not only did I feel nostalgia for something that I never actually watched, <laughs> but I watched I watched that bit and he flies off into the sunset and I'm like, man, I kind of feel bad that Toonami is gone. And then I realized I never watched the damn thing. And so there but you go. It was nice though. Uh, the, the whole thing started with a Doors reference, which kind of surprised me uh, yeah. for a kid. This is the end. The end, my friends, the end. That Doors reference. The, yeah, the days in college radio when you really needed to use the restroom, so you'd queue up either the end or like uh, Metallica's one, or we only uh, had, in a Gata Davida, or <laughs> American Pie, or we only Stairway had, to Heaven. We only had 
two carts that were uh, longer than 10 minutes, oh, though, okay. so we had to All rotate right. them in and out. We never could play <laughs> Stairway to Heaven. Mm. So Speaking of the good old days, Matthew Peterson. Hi there. Do you uh, remember the Green Hornet? Remember it? I love the Green Hornet. I uh, The one original of my... TV series or the comic books or the radio show? All of the above. Well, oh, not okay. the radio show, although I did listen to the radio show when they started compiling them in, this, in the 80s yeah. on cassette. Yeah, I used to collect those I, nonstop, too. Uh, Bravo, either Bravo or Flix Action or something, plays the Green Hornet. Used to play yeah. it at like 7 in the morning when I had a morning job. Yeah, I think it's ALN so I, Network now. I, I forget what that is, if it's Action something network. I think it's Action. But yeah. I would wake up and I'd watch Green Hornet with, you know, the awesome Bruce Lee and the totally, you know, Homo sapien with two legs. Uh, <laughs> that other and, guy. Yeah. Van John. Well, the thing about the, the Green Hornet. Oh! <laughs> Matthew's been awake. I'll see you in six days. Watching the Green Hornet was great because the main character just kind of stood there with his face on his head and his elbow halfway up his arm. And Cato did all the work. Right. And, and I never really kind of got that. But um, one, of the, one of my seminal top 30 comics when we did that on the previous podcast was the Now Comics version where they tried to write a story that merged the continuity of the 60s with the continuity of the radio show and created a new Green Hornet who was basically part of a legacy. So they said the Radio Green Hornet was one character and then his nephew was the Green Hornet in the 60s. Yeah, cool. And that, that character's nephew then became the new Green Hornet and they tried to give him a new Cato but the owners of the Green Hornet license said, no, 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 no. You're going to put Bruce Lee's likeness in every single issue and sell us some comic books. But cool. it's actually, I'm kind of a fan. I'm kind of looking forward to So, So then let me ask you then, are you, you are really seriously looking forward to the, uh, before the big announcement this week, when you just knew that it was going to be, um, uh, what's his face? Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen doing the Green Hornet. Were you... Going, okay, I'll go see that movie. Or were you like, what the heck were they thinking? Or were you like wetting your pants in anticipation? I was more of a what the heck are they thinking, kind of a what approach are they taking. Yeah. Because, I mean, Seth Rogen to me is a chubby comedy dude. So right. if they try and do, if they take the ridiculousness of, you know, the Green Hornet who happens to have a driver who does all the fighting and make Seth Rogen this chubby guy who makes wisecracks, I might enjoy it. I might not, but. Now that they actually seem to have a Cato who really, I mean, who really stands up to the role, mm-hmm. Stephen Chow, I think. Is yeah, that his he's name? he's signed on to direct and to star as Cato. Yeah, there you, now he's the guy who did Kung Fu Hustle, right? It, yes, right. Have you and guys Shaolin seen Shaolin Soccer? Which I, Soccer, which I which I think I is love. superior to, to Kung I, Fu Hustle. I was going to say the exact same thing because Shaolin Soccer just totally rocks and i think i don't know can you get that in the united states or do you have to do one of them oh you gotta you gotta go through disney D- disney oh, that, that bought version the sucks though yeah, they, yeah, yeah they've yeah. taken you don't get the evil team with their right. evil american drugs <laughs> exactly <laughs> you gotta go see the original chinese version and i forget i used to get a whole bunch of uh asian flicks from uh on dvd directly from like china and some importers there nice. and it would come and of course they're region free but and it would include the English t- subtitles, which were sometimes not right. Right. But oh man, when you see uh, Feng Saiyuk and some of those other ones in the way that the Chinese originally did it, oh, they're brilliant. And Shaolin Soccer is really good. And I made my wife sit down and watch Kung Fu Hustle, and she actually got a kick out of that too. Mm-hmm. So when I heard that Stephen Chow was going to direct and play Kato in the Green Hornet, suddenly my interest level in this movie went up dramatically. 
I guess I'm still a little concerned that they are just going to play it for laughs. Because, I mean, this guy is, is famous in the U.S. I don't know if he's done other movies. But in the U.S., he's famous for comedy. Right. So... I'd kind of like to see them play it straight. I'd like to see them do the they, the they, Green Hornet. Maybe have you know have real comedy in it, but have it be an action drama kind of thing. And I think they may be going with that. And kind of in a defense of Seth Rogen, I've heard he's really slimmed down and lost a lot of weight for this role. Yeah. So he may look a little sharper. I don't know. Well, but still, even even how he physically looks is not a big deal. Right. I mean, so hey, I mean, look at Michael Keaton did Batman. You know, justice. So. And nobody thought that that would be good. Tom now, Boaz did. Well, I mean, really, from the beginning, he thought it was going to be good. I didn't think it was going to be good until I actually saw it. He used to tell me to go watch Clean and Sober, and you could see Michael Michael oh, Keaton yeah, yeah. doing Intense. And I'm like, well, yeah, but it's, you know, and mm-hmm. other stuff. And, and that's how I talked in college. Now I actually finish sentences. Somewhat. Hey, Rarely. another thing, speaking of the good old days. One thing that got me through my youth of middle school and uh, and high school was this little thing called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas mm-hmm. Adams. And I kind of, I don't know what order everything went in. I'm pretty sure it went radio, mm-hmm. books, TV series, right? It actually went radio, book, back to radio, TV okay. series. Because I got hooked on The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy from when NPR used to replay the BBC broadcast in the 1980s. Mm. And I was are like, those not awesome? Those are the best things because that's how I learned. That's, you know, that's why I always have that little inflection. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy <laughs> by Douglas Adams. <laughs> ba, ba, da, da, ba, 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 ba. With that great eagle's uh, The Journey or what is it? The Wanderer, The Journeyman or what was that song that they did? That's the Hitchhiker's Theme. Do you know I it? Don't know. It's by the Eagles. You can look it up. It's actually quite cool. Is it Hotel California? No, it's not Hotel California. That's <laughs> uh, the only one I know. <laughs> Is it Seven Bridges Road? I know Seven Bridges no, Road. No, it's like the, the Journey of the Wanderer or something like that. I forget what it is. You could, Maybe it was listeners. the Wander of the Journeyman. That's what it is. I'm sure people have found that already and are screaming at the at their iPods or their MP3 players. <laughs> anyway, love the series. Had all five books. Uh, I was at the time a huge fan of Douglas Adams. His other two books came out when we were in college, uh, Dirk Gently's Holistic uh, Detective Agency and The Long Mm -hmm. Dark Tea Time of the Soul. And also right at the end of our college time was what I think is one of Douglas Adams' best books. Um, What's it called? Before They're Gone or something something like that. It's all about Last uh, Chance to uh, See. Last Chance to See. That's it. Oh, that's a brilliant book, and that's not a that's not a uh, you know a, a nonfiction book. It's it's based on some of his journeys that he did. Right. But you know, when he died, I was in California at the time when I heard that he died, and of course, everybody was pretty depressed about it because it meant that there would be no more adventures of Ford Prefect and and Arthur Dent uh, until, of course, we got that craptacular movie that came out a few years ago. Mm. <laughs> but now, word that there is going to be another Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book. This time written by, what's his name, Eon Colfer? Jan, Jan Colfer? The guy behind the Artemis Fowl books. Is it Ian? I think it's Ian. E-O-I-N. I'm terrible with names. Egon. (laughs) Egon Spangler. (laughs) Tell him about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie? (laughs) Why is there a watermelon there? Oh, that's somebody else. Anyway, so the guy that writes the Artemis Fowl books is now going to write the sixth book for The Hitchhiker's Guide in the Galaxy, Feedback. Mm. Thoughts. 
Rodrigo, did you ever read Hitchhiker's Guide? Were you a Hitchhiker's fan? No. And thus, Rodrigo has lost all credibility on this show. I have. <laughs> lost? <laughs> You've never read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Nope. All right. That is the, that's Rodrigo's Even? next task is to read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I've got Go my paperbacks. The They're over there on the shelf, those small ones. Pick up all three of those and the two uh, hardcovers. Uh, there was the DC adaptation that we Which could also do sucked. A, no, as, please As a no. TPB, you know. Well, we could, but uh, I'm not going to put anybody through that torture. <laughs> I have a perspective, Stephen. Oh, yes, please, Matthew. I'm trying to get other people's feedback, and Rodrigo doesn't have, have any, but... I have no idea who Ian Colfer is, and I've not read anything of the the uh, the uh, Artemis Fowl series. Right. I'm familiar with the general notion of it. Mm-hmm. Hitchhikers is a weird beast. Even with Douglas writing it, sometimes Hitchhikers doesn't work. And no. the, the last third of uh, Thanks for All the Fish is an example of that. Parts of Mostly Harmless are an example of that. Yes. If, if you read all five books of the increasingly poorly named trilogy, you go through and you see, you see so much of Douglas, but it's Douglas at the time. So the first book has a very perverse and weird perspective that's just kind of like a stream of consciousness. And right. then you get to the second book, and they try to be more plot-oriented. And Douglas you know, goes back and forth and does the little side trips that are so awesome, like Zaphod in the Universal Perspective Generator. Right. In the third book... He tries to impose a plot on his characters, mm-hmm. and he's forced to bring in Slarty Bartfast, who's a, a minor <laughs> character, and make Slarty Bartfast act out of character to drive the plot. Right, which I because- was – that was the thing that really bothered me about that third book, and I forget what year it came out, but I found it extremely 80, difficult. 83 or 84. That was the one that was the hardest for me to get through because I must have put that down three or four times because I just didn't like how the story was progressing. Hmm. That story was – its genesis was as a Doctor Who episode. Yeah. And the problem is no one in the main cast of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has that Doctor Who nature. So he brought in Slarda Bartfast and the the time-traveling bistro math. Yes, I love it. As – as a stand-in for the Doctor and the TARDIS. But when he did that, he had to give Slarda Bartfast a personality trait that would make him, you know, kind of a driving force of the story. Right. Because if he'd, if he'd have put that on, on Ford, it would have, I mean, it would have brought the whole house down. Yeah. So it's a very sensitive beast. And if you read So Long and Thanks for All the Fish mm-hmm. from beginning to end, there's almost a bitterness and an anger that, it, it, at, at one point, he says something. There's there's an introduction, and he talks about what happens next in Arthur's romance. And then he has a little aside that says, and if you're not interested in that, you can jump to the last chapter, which has Marvin in it. <laughs> and it's almost like saying, you know what? You fans are driving me up the freaking wall. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very – I, I, I want to say it's a very organic series, and it's got very strange characters in it. So if this Artemis Fowl guy can pull it off, I'll be impressed. Mm-hmm. But it's not like Douglas Adams always hit a home run with this. We no. remember the gems, but there's there's stuff in there that it's just like, what? My favorite is still, I love the books dearly. I love the BBC series when it was uh, aired in America. But by far the radio drama of the first, whatever it was, the first two books, essentially, that holds a place in my heart. Now, just a few years ago, BBC did the other books, or at least they did the third book. Um, right. whichever what the what's the name of that one again? <laughs> Can't even think of it. 
there's there's uh, let's see the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy yep, restaurant, restaurant at the, at the end of the universe. And the third one, whose name escapes me too. Yeah, right well, you were just talking about it with Slarty Bartfast. Slarty Bartfast, but I can't remember the name of it. Yeah. Anyway, hang on. Wait, I have to use my brain. <laughs> I have to go back to the. Okay, so it's 1985. No girlfriend. <laughs> and limited ran, friends. No social interaction. I ran so far away. <laughs> I walk along the avenue. Okay, so it's. And now that I'm standing here, I need to look. In the bag at my just side. About it. Life, and the universe, the, and everything. Yeah, that's it. Pull out the tiles, Life and they spell out. Uh, what's what they spell out? Forty-two. I actually have the ultimate hitchhiker's guide. It's like a leather-bound book oh, with yeah, gold yeah, yeah. leaf edge pay, play, pages. I paid like thirty bucks for that, and it was like the first. It, it, this is so sad. It's the first real book. <laughs> that I ever owned because it was a hard cover and it had like a leather bound thing and my mom was like wow that must be it that must be a good book because it's got leather stuff I'm like yeah <laughs> well you have to understand my mom okay but, everybody in 30 seconds in 30 seconds 30? you want me to describe my mom in 30 no. seconds don't forget, oh. we've got a costume contest going on. Dress up as your favorite character. Send in some pictures of yourself dressed up as your favorite uh, comic book character. Get it to us by October 21st, and include your name, address, all that good stuff. Send it to us at uh, podcast at majorspoilers.com or contest at majorspoilers.com. Either one of those will work. Uh, we'll pick our top five, then let everyone else vote for that, and the winner will be announced October 31st. Cool Hellboy prizes this year. Ooh, I want some non-Batman characters. Major yeah. Spoilers theme song. Major Spoilers theme song. Don't forget that contest is going up until uh, November 21st, Thanksgiving, somewhere around there. Winner gets the Absolute Watchmen uh, edition. Mm-hmm. Now let's get to the part of the show that everybody's been dying to hear. The poll of Reviews! the week. <laughs> the poll of the week. Yeah, okay. That's coming oh. a little bit later. What's that? The poll of the week. Yes, that comes after the reviews. All right, so this week... I'm reading my script. <laughs> I have it right here. See, you, here, listen change. to this. For a change. <laughs> There's a script for this? Now, let's start with Matthew this week, because I think you're the only one that's reviewing something somewhat old. I don't know how old it is. I think it's either this week or the week previous. Okay. Um, I want to take a look at Mighty Avengers number 18. Mighty or Avengers like, well, or the, the New Avengers, or what are they called this week? The Mighty New the, Avengers? Mighty, mighty Avengers they are, mighty, are the classic Avengers, right? New Avengers. The Mighty are Avengers like are what we like to refer to as the Republican Avengers. Oh, nice! They're the ones led by Tony Stark, and they represent the forces of government and 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 the status quo and and old money. And then, of mm. course, there's Luke Cage and his liberal Avengers, who are all about blowing stuff up and living out and of which one are they? boxes. They're the ones from the New Avengers. Ah. And what, then so what's the new Avengers, Mighty Avengers? The Initiative Avengers. There is no new Mighty Avengers. Oh, there's there the new... Or the Mighty. The, the new issue of Mighty Avengers. Oh, okay. So Who's please. on first? <laughs> yes. Why is it that every time we do this, it devolves into Abbott and Costello? My God, man. Hey, Abbott! Uh, half our right. listeners won't even know who Abbott and Costello are, so let's move along. The latest Mighty Avengers <laughs> is right here in my right hand, number 18... <laughs> Or as I like to call it, Secret Invasion Crossover number 2,512 of 1,216. Are you tired of all um, the tie-ins? I am to a degree. Uh, this issue is one of the better ones. It actually it comes off of, I believe, the last issue of Mighty Avengers, although I can't be, be sure. Um, we recall that Nick Fury went underground some time ago and has been collecting 
basically legacy characters and characters from all over the Marvel Universe. He has Phobos, the son of Mars. He has the grandson of the original uh, Western ghost writer. He has the, bless you. The illegitimate son of Dr. Druid. He has uh, this really hot girl named Yo-Yo. And he's brought them together as his secret warriors. And this issue is all flashback. So how come the series isn't called Secret Warriors? Well, and that's kind of the problem that I've had with New, New Avengers, Mighty Avengers lately, is they're all flashback. But either oh. or there, it starts roughly two days before issue two of Secret Invasion, which came out roughly 60 days ago. So this took, takes place 62 days in the past. Uh, but it starts with Fury telling his new kids that Maria Hill is a scroll. We see some flashbacks to Nick Fury training them. And there's a moment that is very reminiscent of an Alan Moore moment from V for Vendetta, where Yo-Yo, who's a young girl, is captured and tortured by what appears to be Madame Hydra. And they threaten to kill her. They dump water on her face. They put a knife to her throat. You know, they're basically torturing this teenage girl. And once again, it's that thing that I hate about. Is it on let's, panel? Let's, yeah. Oh, okay. let's put Let's put a kid in danger. And she's not really a kid, but she's kind of cute and... I don't think this is a scene that they would have done with one of the male team members, which is, again, probably all about me. But they take this girl, and they torture her, and she doesn't break. And, of course, Nick Fury reveals himself to be Madame Hydra, which, when you think about it, is a little creepy. What? Now, why is he revealed to be – why is he masquerading as Madame Hydra? To test he the was will of, of young her, yeah. Yo-Yo? He, he was testing her to make sure that she was up to being a super spy in the Marvel Universe. So I want this you to be on my team. I've beat you to death. I've beat and you to an inch of your life yeah. and tortured you. And why don't you come join us? Yeah. So they send these, these, this team, this young, inexperienced team, one of whom is a 10-year-old boy. Granted, he's half God. But they send them out to, catch the, to capture the new head of S.H.I.E.L.D. And amazingly, miraculously, beyond all expectations, they actually managed to snatch Maria Hill, the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., bring her back to Nick Fury. And the whole issue is, it's interesting. There's a car chase, there's some, some nice dialogue, there's the moment where they're trying to get away and they don't see any cars on their tail and they look up and this huge S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier is coming down on them, like the Sword of Damocles, which is nice. Yeah. But we we get to the end, and Maria Hill turns out to be an LMD. What's an and LMD? A life model decoy. It's a shield oh, android yeah, this, used to uh, make... Yeah, this robot thing, yeah. Right, and she self-destructs. And then Fury says, there you go. And they're all like, what was that about? He's like, that was a perfectly executed training exercise. Are you sure you're and not like, reviewing... Are you sure you're not reviewing uh, Secret Invasion number six? I am not. This because, is Mighty Avengers great too. Because doesn't she do the same thing in uh, in Secret Avengers number six or Secret Invasion number six, where she says, "Oh yeah, Nick well, Nick Fury told me to do this once, so I did it. Luckily, I did." Right, and that's the thing about this issue being a flashback. It takes place before that moment, but we got it afterwards, so it really feels like a callback. Okay. And at the end of the issue, they're all like, "She wasn't a scroll," and Fury's like, "Yeah, I know. I just sent you out there to mess with your heads and make you stronger." And then the issue ends with the moment in Secret Invasion number two where the Super Scrolls crash down out of the sky. So it's not a terrible issue. And I've made this point before. If this were 1965, Stan and Jack would have done this in three panels. They would have said, here's the flashback of how Nick Fury put these people together. Yeah, but if it this would were have been 19- crammed with, with narrator dialogue. 
Exactly. And if this were 1978, Roy Thomas would have given it like three pages in the middle of the book and kind of fleshed it out. And if this were 1999, everybody would have claws and leather jackets and be named Deathstrike Blood Force, and it wouldn't make any sense. But but there would have been a gatefold cover at the beginning of the issue. Oh, maybe exactly. one, of them and the, one of them All the girls would have been wearing thongs with their gazongas hanging out. With foil and holographic mm-hmm. cover You variants. know, you knock it, but starting up comics in the 90s was a great time to be alive. <laughs> We'll I will grant you. <laughs> I will grant you that there were a lot of comics made in the '90s, and of all the comics made in the '90s, there were a lot of them. But <laughs> the whole point of this issue, to me, is here is a story that took place in the background of something that we haven't actually seen the upshot of yet. We've seen Fury and his Secret Warriors show up in Secret Avengers number six or number three, whenever they showed up. They kick butt. They've now teamed up, and at the end of Secret Avengers number six, they're part of the huge Avengers task force with all the other Avengers and everybody else we could find. So this is just filling in some of those holes of how did Nick Fury get his team together. You know what this feels like? How Nick Fury got his big gun back, right? Do you, did you, when you were a child, you watched Rockford Files. Did you ever watch like Love American style? Sometimes in the afternoon if my mom was taking a nap and I was very clever with the volume on the, uh, on the TV. So if you like, uh, one of the, the big offenders of this, too, was Happy Days, where they'd slip a backdoor pilot in as right. an episode of the show. Mork and Mindy. This, right. This feels like a backdoor pilot for Laverne Nick Fury Shirley. and mm. Secret Warriors. Joni loves Chachi. Exactly. There are no Avengers in this issue. What? This is, a, this is an issue that completely lacks Avengers. Well, you know what? There's no reason for it to appear as an issue of Mighty Avengers. So no matter how good it is, I'm looking at it from the perspective of, I, I signed up for an issue of Mighty Avengers, and I got this, and that makes me, you know, that makes me less happy with the material, no matter how good it is. Look at it this way. At least you didn't have to pay a $3.99 one-shot that Marvel would have put together to tell this story. Well, you also got to keep in mind I have a discount, but it's no. But I mean, not- that's, I mean that that kind of works that way. I mean, DC would have said, "Well, instead of telling this story inside Final Crisis, let's take a month off and then write these three uh, one-shot issues that somehow tie in, but that somebody really wanted to tell but couldn't fit it into the Final Crisis series. So we're going to make it a one-shot and charge you four ninety-five for it." But that's well, just me going I- off on somebody. But is that is that any less honest than? You know, selling me an issue of Mighty Avengers that's not about the Mighty Avengers, that doesn't include the Mighty Avengers? That's true, too. See, I mean, I could have had an issue that explained what's going on with the Mighty Avengers, but the very nature of Secret Invasion, taking place as it has so far over the course of an afternoon, keeps them from being able to tell stories in and around that effectively. I've said it before. They made it possible for me to read Secret Invasion without reading all the crossovers. I cannot read the regular titles without reading Secret Invasion. So I can't go any higher than about two and a half slices of meatloaf on this issue from that perspective. The art is pretty stunning. It's by uh, Stefano Caselli, the guy who just got off of uh, Avengers The Initiative. Good artist. He's got great perspective. He's got great machines. His girls look like girls, unlike Lionel Yu. Not mentioning any names. <laughs> and the story is... The, how do I put this? It's a good, non-new, mighty Avenger story, right? Yes, but Brian Bendis does this thing where he writes little conversations and side pieces that take up five pages of an issue to where the issue actually only took about, about five minutes of time. And we call I that love decompression, that. kids. There's 
There's a lot of decompression in this issue. I'm getting a little tired of decompression. I feel like the Marvel Universe is on pause while we wait for everything to catch up with Secret Invasion. Yeah. It would be less annoying if we didn't do the same thing last summer with Planet Hulk, the year before that with Civil War. Every single summer they try and give us something new and different that's going to crack the internet in half. And there comes hey, a and point. Next, and the next one's Dark Rain. What do you think that's going to be about? I don't think the scrolls are going to leave Earth at the end of this, uh, at the end of this series. I don't mm. care. I so, really don't. I, I want to know from the listeners, what do you think of this meatloaf rating that we're giving? Two and a half slices of meatloaf for, uh, Aven- what is it, Mighty Avengers number 18? Mighty Avengers number 18. You have the to say new right. Mighty Avengers say- number 18. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say meatloaf. That's a mighty good meatloaf. Yep. All right. So, moving ahead to what's coming out this week, depending on when you listen to the podcast and when you go pick up your comics, I've got to look at... Cthulhu Tales number five from all our good friends over at Boom Studios. Boom Studios. Now, I got to say, this is not the first time that I've talked Cthulhu on uh, the show and probably Cthulhu Tales, if I'm not mistaken. They've got a lot of Cthulhu t- uh, stories going on over there at Boom. They've really t- tapped into the uh, Lovecraft mythos and are going full throttle with this. Now, Cthulhu Tales have nothing to do with, well, they have to do with Lovecraft, but they're not interpretations of Lovecraft stories. They are, of course, what-ifs, mm-hmm. a- additional stories, expanding upon that universe. Go back and listen to our interview with Chip Mosier and our interview with Mark Wade uh, that we did uh, a couple episodes ago. And you can hear all about that. In this issue, Cthulhu Tales number 5, out this week, two separate stories. And I kind of dig this, because the first story is the tale about the Doorway Man. And the Doorway Man and his partner go around and find these doorways where the great old ones might slip through. Mm -hmm. And their job is to stand in front of the doorway and essentially block the doorway from the old ones coming through. Uh, Apparently the old ones are not that smart because if they see the door open but something blocking it, they won't try to push through. They'll just say, oh, the doorway's blocked and move on. Uh, But the tale turns into a little weird twist where the partner becomes the doorway man at the end. And it's it's very cool because the doorways can appear anywhere. The the issue kicks off with uh the two characters driving down the street going, "Where's where's the location? Where's the location? It's this house over here on we have to go upstairs. It's on the south wall and they bust into these people's houses in the middle of the night and are like, "Don't worry, ma'am. We're here. We'll explain everything in a moment." They are running down the hallway and they go, "It's on the south wall." They bust into the room and it's this little girl's room. And they're like, "Are you sure the doorways here?" Yes, the doorway has to be here. It has to be. And they're looking around the room, and what happens to be on the wall but a picture that this little girl has drawn of a little house. And the little house has a door, and they're like, is that the door? It's a door. And so they have to keep the, the monsters from entering our world. Nice. And, the, and that's just the beginning. It ends a little differently. There's a weird jump in there uh, in the storytelling where all of a sudden there's a new partner inter- introduced – and at one point, the new partner is trying to understand the Necronomicon, and then it's almost like he's complaining about not understanding it, and then he's like, oh, I get it. And then the next, very next page is them leaving another doorway scene where he's throwing up in the alley because he can't believe what he's just seen. So there's some jumpiness in that story that doesn't make a lot of sense. The second story is actually pretty cool. Uh, There is a book called, coming out from Boom Studios, 
called Nyarlathotep. Nyarlathotep. You know, kind of like Bubba Hotep. Nyarlathotep. And this was a, a prose. <laughs> this was a prose poem written, written by Lovecraft that Boom is going to turn into its standalone book. But the second tale in Cthulhu Tales has this character, this person's name as the character in it. And it takes place during um, probably the 1900s, back when Edison, uh, Tesla, and all these people were alive and doing things. And in fact, the character Holtep, whatever his name is, I'm terrible at pronouncing names, uh, he actually is a very Tesla-like character. And But he's also this weird magician saying, oh, you can do all these crazy things with electricity, and it's all science. And uh, the tale is told from the perspective of this very rich industrialist who's trying to capitalize on Edison, who's trying to capitalize on the wealth of Carnegie and, and all these other rich men of the time period and try to create his own legacy. And so he decides to invest all of his money into this Narler Holtep. I'll just call him Bubba Hotep Light. <laughs> And then the tale gets weirder and weirder because you actually see the guy build Tesla's death ray uh, that Tesla built on the on the uh, shores of the uh, ocean. And then it starts to get really, really strange. And again, I'm not going to give away the ending because it's just like if someone were to tell you that in the end of the beast at 30,000 feet or the incident at 30,000 feet, Shatner wasn't crazy. There actually was a gremlin on the side of the plane. It kind of ruins it for you. So I'm not going to tell you how Cthulhu Tales, the second story, Which, by ends. the way, you just did for all those people who hadn't seen well, it. Well, the <laughs> Twilight Zone's been around for over 50 years, and it's on every major holiday on the Sci-Fi Channel. So if you haven't seen that one yet, tough. But I, I'm going to give both of these Cthulhu Tales, story-wise, they both are getting high marks from me. They're getting four slices of meatloaf out of five. Mm, the wow. art on the first story is a little wonky for whatever reason. So I'm going to have to give it a leftover slice. I'm going to have to deduct a half a slice of meatloaf from it. So for the whole series, for the whole issue, three and a half, four stars, depending on which way you want to go, you don't really have to know the Cthulhu mythos, although if you do kind of know some of the stuff that's going on, like this reference to this upcoming title, it makes it a lot more enjoyable. But if you like horror anthologies that have this weird uh, twist to them, I think you're going to like this. Cthulhu Tales, number five, three and a half to four slices of meatloaf out of five. Nice. Now let's jump far, far into the future. I I don't know when this title comes out. I've been trying to track Mm -hmm. it down. It's either out in October or it's out in November. Mm -hmm. But it is uh, from a new company, Hayes Entertainment. Right. It's called Leviticus Cross, which, you know, just from looking at the name, I thought it was going to be a story about a hard-boiled detective. (laughs) Like, my name is Leviticus Cross. It was a dark, stormy day across the plains of the tundra. I knew that was trouble when I first saw her. Anyway. Uh, a redhead. The only yeah. kind of trouble worth having. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Um, it's actually a very manga-esque series. Um, and I have uh, read it. <laughs> really? What's the story about? Now, doesn't it take place in a different time period? Is it one of those weird uh, – the reason I thought you'd like it is because it's, like, got some fantasy kind of stuff in it. It is. Some it's, Dungeons it's, & Dragons it's, type stuff. It's all fantasy, basically. The The story of it is is a kind of a – just a total mashup of all kinds of legends. Like, basically, there is God, and God creates the angels – and then he creates bodyguards and like helpers for them, and those are the giants. 
then the angels get busy with people and sort of accidentally create demigods. Right, the Nephilim and the... Right. Um, which is weird, because the book refers to them as demigods, but they're the children of angels, not the children of God, and there's only one God, which, yeah, I thought it was weird. Anyway, um, the giants get upset because the demigods are just as good as they are. Um, and then, so the giants go away and build their own kingdom, and then the demigods go away and build their own kingdom, and then they start fighting. So, the book starts out with Thor, who's one of the demigods... Like the uh, Thor with the hammer, Norse yeah, god Thor? Yeah, okay. Norse god Thor. And they keep referring to him as the son of Odin, which I guess in this interpretation, Odin must have been one of the angels. Okay. Um, And he's in love with, I think, with one of the giants. And she betrays him. And then the giants kind of take over his mind or the, the bad guys. It wasn't just... It wasn't very clear. Okay. And then we jump... Like, first off, at the very beginning of the book, there's these, like, two paragraphs explaining things. Mm -hmm. Then it's, like, 100 years later, this happens. And then it's, like, 100 years later after that thing that I just talked about, Mm -hmm. it's, like, uh, you meet who must be the main character. Okay. It's this girl called Nadja who has all these weird powers. Mm -hmm. Um, And she kind of... Gets to this big city called Leviticus Cross. Ah, okay. So that's what the name is. Um, and she's kind of running around, and then this uh, giant uh, troll-type monster attacks. And she kind of fights it. And that's where the issue ends. And that's where the issue ends. Oh, You're kind of introduced you, to a handful of characters here and there. You make it sound like it's not that fun of a book to read. And I had high hopes for it just from looking at the uh, the couple of pages that I flipped through and the uh, solicitation information that uh, Hayes Entertainment sent to us. The The art is really cool, but not always clear. Okay. There are times when you're looking at a panel, and I, I was seriously sitting there looking at it and thinking, what am I looking at? Like, the panel... And sometimes I kind of have to get it from context because the characters are really pretty, the colors are really cool, um... But there are times when the action, and I don't know, I don't know the name of the artist. Mm-hmm. I don't either. When, when the action is kind of muddy, you you can't really tell what's happening in Here, any given panel. Here's the tag that we were sent: Leviticus, Leviticus Cross is a coming of age story set in a prehistoric past in which a girl named Shadow must accept her destiny. Right, Shadow is the pseudonym that she uses. Oh, okay. Because she's got some weird mark that she's not allowed to show, which is essentially a giant claw instead of a hand. No, oh, okay. Which is kind of cool. Um, so are there like dinosaurs running around then if we're prehistoric past? Or no, is this not, like none that I saw. Uh, actually, yeah, there or? are. There was a dinosaur in one or a dinosaur type monster in one panel. So I think there are. Um, and again, you know, the, the character design is It looks is really, really cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, again, any, any kind of static shot looks really cool. The action. And I, I don't I don't even think that it's not that the artist doesn't know how to do action. It's just that it just kind of gets muddied up when perspective gets involved and hyper stylized. And anime? they're trying to cram a lot of action into one yeah book. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of panel like from panel to panel like three things will have happened, and then they kind of explain what just happened, and it's it's a little confusing. I think this could be a great series, mm-hmm. but. They're trying to do way too much, 
they essentially hit you with three yeah. different stories that are so far completely unrelated. I would say the way that they should have done this book is just tell us about Shadow. Mm-hmm. And then as Shadow has her adventures, relate to us the history of this world. You know, because otherwise, basically it's like, here are, here's an introduction to these characters. And now they're all dead. And here's an actual character. Or they're all gone or they're all missing or whatever. Excuse me for coughing there right in the middle of your explanation. Uh, it's all good. You know, this this is kind of the problem maybe with small publishers is that they know they can only afford to get a limited number of issues out. This is the same way with the She Buccaneer mm-hmm. in that, I you know, I talk with the creators and they're like, look, we had to force so much story into this single issue because we've only got three issues that we can tell before we can decide if we can invest more money into a much larger series. So they say that's why it has to be choppy like this. And maybe that's what's happening here. Maybe he's, you know, betting. And I don't know, Matthew, maybe you know more independent comic creators than we do. But does that seem to be the trend where they try to pack as much as they can into one issue so that they can then hopefully get enough sales off of that to tell further tales? I think it's common. I know that you, I mean, people are really looking for, the hook that's going to make the book indispensable. Some people look at the hook as, hey, it's uh, Elvis, only he's old, and JFK is there too, only he's in the body of Ossie Davis. I mean, if you have... <laughs> no, wait, that's a different movie. <laughs> right, but if you, have, if you have the hook, you know, you, you want to try and give somebody something that they want to grab onto, and I think a common... I don't know if I would call it an error, but a common attempt to get that hook in there is to throw everything but the kitchen sink at the reader in the hopes that they'll glom onto something, mm-hmm. and then you can bring them back in for that second issue and come, you know, keep going down the line. Independent comics is, you know, pretty much the equivalent of sticking your hand in the stump from Flash Gordon. You may get struck by the bog beast and die horribly, or you may just, you know, live a while longer. So, I think it's an attempt to try and get as many people hooked as much on whatever you got as quickly as possible. So we've been invited to a meatloaf dinner, Rodrigo. Mm-hmm. How many slices do you think you're going to have of Leviticus Cross? Um, probably two. <laughs> it has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. It really does. You don't know if they mixed um, oatmeal in this one or they didn't Yeah, they just, you know, like the, the they used the weird kind of bread on it. I, they didn't I cover it know. with ketchup yeah. correctly. Okay. Yeah. They put the egg in the middle and it didn't quite so, cook. So I'm having two slices and I'm having some ketchup on it. Because, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of potential in this book. But they, I, what, what I wish they would have done is, here is the universe of Leviticus Cross. And we're going to tell you a little, little tiny slice of it yeah. in this series. So Later if, on, if the book catches on, we'll tell you more stories. So if you were invited back for a second helping of meatloaf mm-hmm. from Hayes Entertainment in the form of Leviticus Cross. Would you be interested in reading it? I would. I would okay. check it out again, definitely. So see, it's it warrants at least a two or three issue read. It does. Okay. All right. All right. So those are our reviews for the week. One uh, old, one new, and one soon to blue. be. I don't think something she's blue. Old, it's very something much dark, new, dark Something tones. borrowed and something that she peeled off the side of the road Pull with a stapler. Of the week. Time for the major spoilers. Poll of the week, Mister and Miss American. All the ships in city this time around. The inevitable, the immortal, Casey Kasem. It's a long distance dedication <laughs> to the man himself. Round thirteen of our inevitable who'd win, and I'm 
I'm actually uh, confused in this one now because I, I, I'm torn many different directions. It may not be a who'd win in a fist fight. It may not be who'd win in a conversation. Maybe who'd have the best conversation around Dorothy Parker's table. So I just kind of went with who do I like the best? That's exactly what of, this one would be. The battle of Casey Kasem's notable voiceover roles. Of course, you have your primaries, your big ones that you can't avoid. Shaggy, Norville P. Rogers, Shaggy Rogers from Scooby Doo. Yeah. Uh, the Cape Crusader known as Robin from the 1960s and 70s versions of Batman. Uh, Alexander Cabot III, who's the twin sister of Alexandra, who we touched on last week, who got a couple of pity votes in the <laughs> Who's the Hottest Girl in uh, the uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Groove the Cat from the Catanooga Cats, who apparently only I remember. Even Steven is just like, what? I was like, what? I had to go, what? Uh, from the first season of Transformers, the only voice not done by Frank Welker or Peter Cullen, uh, Cliff Jumper of the Autobots. And from the awful, awful, horrible, <laughs> horrible Rankin Bass production of, is it The Hobbit or is uh, it? This one would be Return of the King because they did The Hobbit Return of the King. and then they did Return of the King. And I think at some point they did like the Fellowship. They missed like the two towers. It was like right. Fellowship of the Ring and then it went to Return of the King. Return of the mm -hmm. King. Okay. But he apparently voiced Mary Brandybuck who was the Hobbit who was not – Gay for Samwise Gamgee. The one who wasn't gay? Okay. <laughs> so, of the, if you put those six people in a room, first of all, because in a fist fight, you, you, you got to go with either Robin or Cliff Jumper. I'll give yeah, Robin. I would go Cliff Jumper point. if you were going so with a fist I. fight because he's a big robot. Well, Cliff Jumper's 30 feet tall. Exactly. But, you know, you look at it this way Shaggy has run away from things bigger than that. <laughs> True. True. So I actually went and I, I, I mulled it over in my head and I had to go because I am the comic geek with Robin who has not only the most connection to what we do here at Major Spoilers, but has the best overall dialogue for me. Yeah. Um, I, I remember the episode of Scooby-Doo where Batman and Robin appeared where Robin made the joke as the Joker was trapped in a pit and couldn't get out. He made the joke that the, the clown prince of crime is now the crown prince of climb. Wow. wow. Oh, but it's stuck with me to this very day. So I voted Robin myself. Um Yeah, I, I mean, you can't you can't go wrong with a giant robot. But chicks dig giant robots. They do, which is why my new car actually transforms <laughs> into a giant robot. But it's a it's small a, car. Yeah, it's a so, small car to begin with, a yeah. Yaris, and I think it transforms into a little uh 2-foot-high robot. Yeah, hey, it guys, does. come here. I'll, I'll and then I sit down. on top of it, and I'm like, attack, <laughs> Robo, attack! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, where did that come from? I'm just from? trying to picture that. Yeah. I'm sitting here, I'm thinking Atomic Robo was cool, but, you know, gas water hybrid Robo kind of doesn't have the same ring. To yeah, it. yeah probably not. Um, so so you're going Robo. with Cliff Jumper? No, I'm, I'm going to go with Shaggy. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so what was all that talk about the... <laughs> Well, here's the I, thing. I was just going to make a passing remark about the robot, and then we just <laughs> spiraled off into this universe know, I'm where I'm like week. sitting on top of my Yaris with a with a remote control <laughs> screaming commands while he fights Godzilla. You're like Rodrigo Sacco. Would, and is it, and like who awesome. the hell is Groove the Cat? Exactly. <laughs> That's my whole the thing. Drummer. He's the drummer for the Catanooga Cats, man. Oh, I'm sorry. They were these hippie cats, right? And and it was like a pun because it's like, hey, they're like cats, but they're also like cats, right? Yeah. They're hip cats, right? It was like, right? Uh, right? 
Um, it was on like 1969, and apparently someone was high when they wrote it. But Groove was like, he was the drummer and stuff. I just can't picture Casey Kasem. This is Casey Kasem. This hey, is kids. I can't, I'm a groovy. I can't picture Casey Kasem as any of these guys. He's pretty good about disguising his voice. The first time I saw a picture of Casey Kasem, I was like, no way, man. There's yeah. no way yeah, that he does admit, all these though, voices. But you know Shaggy's voice, right? Right. Now, Casey Kasem does not change his voice for any characters. Shaggy sounds exactly like Alexander Craw- uh, uh, Cabot Third, who sounds exactly like Robin. So I can just imagine what? that Cliff Jumper <laughs> and Groove the Cat and and Mary Mary Brandybuck all with with Shaggy's voice just got to freak you out right in the middle of stage. But it's yeah. it's all about the inflection. Shaggy and Alexander had the same voice, but their delivery, their inflection and the 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 pacing of the words were different. So he's not he's not Frank Welker doing a different voice for each character. He's got the same voice, but he's doing like a a, a different take on it. The thing uh I'm not going to say it. Uh, if you actually ever <laughs> you saw, you almost Canada, got me, Superman. Not this time. <laughs> not this time. I almost. I only said clinopus. <laughs> wow, that sounded naughty. Anyway, um, uh, the, where was I going? Well, with this? Uh, okay, oh. let me ju- go. Go ahead. It's the inflection. With Robin, with Robin, it's the same voice as Shaggy, but he puts more urgency in it, and he bites his words off more, so he doesn't do anything different. But he makes everything that he says sound really exciting. Whereas Shaggy kind of has that air of, I don't know, Scoob, I think we're all going to be killed in our entrails used for garters, man. Man. (laughs) It's one of those things where it's almost more of an achievement that he does similar voices for dissimilar characters and still makes it work. I'm just going to go with Shaggy because by far that's the one that most people are going to know Casey Kasem's voice from. And... um, uh, that's that's the only thing. Did you guys ever watch the uh, Clone Wars stuff from Cartoon Network? The, yes, the cartoon uh-huh. one. Yeah. Did you did you catch the the Shaggy reference in it? Yeah. Wasn't there a character? There there was a character named Shaggy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're they're being hunted. The the Jedi. He's a Jedi Padawan, and they're being hunted hunted down. And he like freaks out and runs away. Does he and say Zoiks? He, he was he some, voiced by Casey Kasem? I don't think he was voiced by Casey Kasem, and they they changed his voice so that he didn't uh, oh, like okay. they didn't give him Shaggy's voice because they didn't want him to be too obvious. Right. But he's the only Jedi who wears a green robe. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. Hey, everybody, you can go and vo- vote over at the Major Spoilers website. Weigh in on who's your favorite Casey Kasem voiceover role. Uh, right now, from what I've got, I've got 115 votes in so far. And uh, Shaggy does lead that by a pretty large margin of about 54%, with Robin coming in at around 20%, Cliff Jumper at 19 Groove the Cat beating out Meriwether and Alexander Cabot III. Wow. Can you believe yeah. that? Maybe they think it's he's the- Top Cat. Yeah, now, <laughs> Top Cat didn't. This isn't a spin-out from Top Cat, is it? No, I don't it think It is so. not. Or Top the, Cat the didn't spin out. The Catanooga Cats were, were kind of a Banana Splits-esque show where they were like... They were the bridging sequence, and then they had other segments in their show. It was terrible. It was the 60s, and they thought that everybody was high. Oh, wait, you gotta Because they? they were all high. <laughs> well, yeah, um, uh, people listening to the show right now Probably have the think same we're questions high. about us, yes. I'm not drunk. I just think you am. Yeah, it's called Daddy's Drink, young child. <laughs> Stay away from that. It looks like water, honey, but it smells like uh, gasoline. <laughs> So, uh, this is a question that comes 
into the major spoilers mailbox at least once Six a week. Six times a day. No, no, no. At least once yes. a week. And, and I appears- want to answer the question by saying, ladies, I am married and I'm sorry. That's right. No, that's not right. Never mind. Go on. It's Rodrigo who's single, ladies. That's true. And I have a giant robot, apparently. Yeah, well, he rides A medium-sized robot. <laughs> attack, robot, attack! Attack! Oh, no, how will I ever how will I ever defeat that bad guy? He is too strong for my robot! <laughs> Do not worry, I will help you! <laughs> and all the little kids sound exactly alike <laughs> in that series, yeah. Oh, man. Rodrigo's a little robot. That's, yep. that's your little drawing task for the... <laughs> I'll do that. So at least, uh, once, at least once a week in the uh, Major Spoilers mailbox, and every so often upon the Major Spoilers forum. If you guys haven't checked out the Major Spoilers forum, there's a link to it on the front page of the Majorspoilers.com website. Somebody is saying, where do I begin in comics? I want to get my wife into comics. I think it's Hermit is trying to get his girlfriend into into reading comics. Mm-hmm. Other people are trying to get their significant other or friend or whoever into comics. And the question comes in saying, where do I begin? And so that's a that's a question. Where do you begin? Matthew, where do you where would you say someone stumbles into your comic shop on a Sunday afternoon? Yeah. They may have been, their eyes are pretty red, they smell a little funny, and they ask you, hey, man, and they sound like Casey Kasem, uh, and where they're wearing a green shirt, and they, they say, hey, man, what should I read? I've well, never, what's a noted. comic book? Uh, you know, what are these things with pictures and words? <laughs> Most all of my customers smell a little funny. <laughs> and if you're out there listening, guys, I'm not talking about you. Um, yeah, it's that other guy. Yeah, exactly. It's the other one. The thing, this, uh, one of the one of the. <laughs> you almost got me st- again, Superman. <laughs> You're tricky this week, <laughs> Superman. <laughs> and ladies and I gentlemen, that if my you approach- don't get what we're doing yet, go back and watch some of those uh, Casey Kasem, Robin, uh, Super Friends uh, shows with uh, <laughs> Mister Mixiel's Spittlelick, and you'll get the idea. Or Slipple Skim, as they called him in that. Sli- they called him Mixelplick. That was his backwards was Slipplskim. Yeah. Slipplskim. Well, how are you going to say Mixelplick backwards? Come on, yeah. stay with me here. So anyway, your smelly I, friends I come into the comic book shop. My first advice to anyone trying to start comics is a couple of common errors and a couple of warnings that I want to start with, okay? And this is the primary warning, especially for those of you who are trying to get a girlfriend or a friend or someone who's not into comics. Don't try to start them with Watchmen or Dark Knight. Yeah, that's Watchmen pretty deep. And- Watchmen and Dark Knight are very good comic stories, but they require an understanding of comic book iconography and the basics of comic book storytelling that a new reader won't have. So, you don't want to start with those. Those are definitely, you know, 201 level courses. You want to start somewhere basic. Don't presume that you have to start somebody with issue number one. I mean, in this environment, people are used to coming in and seeing, you know, an episode of, say, Seinfeld and knowing that there's nine or ten seasons of it, having maybe not watched it. You don't have to start at the beginning. Don't be afraid to take somebody to the back issue bins for something that you liked when you were younger or someone, you know, maybe liked you. What I always try and start people with are things that are completed storylines. One that I always used to really love to let people read was... Bob Layton's uh, Hercules series from 1984. Most importantly, don't worry about trying to explain competing versions of the same character. Yeah. Say Ultimate Spider-Man versus Amazing Spider-Man. Your well, girlfriend okay, well, let, does. Let me, let me let me take this this way, Matthew. Kind of interrupt okay. you here. Someone oh, just you went, someone just went and saw 
Spider-Man 3. This is back a few right. years. Someone just went and right. saw Spider-Man 3, and they're like, oh, my God, the Spider-Man is so good. And, and they make the comic books out of the Spider-Man. Mr. Comic mm-hmm. Book Man, I want to buy some, some Spider-Man comics. What, what should I get? That's where I point them to probably Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Okay. The spider title that's most like the movie. But I can't try and explain to them at the beginning the difference between Ultimate and Amazing Spider-Man. Well, or and that's, trying to explain that Spider-Man used to be married, but now he's not. Well, see, and that's kind of my suggestion is if you're trying to get into you know a big title like X-Men or Spider-Man or even Batman and Detective Comics – you know, don't try to go back to a specific issue and start from there. Don't go to right. Detective Comics number 27 and say, I'm going to read everything and know everything there is about Batman. Believe right. me, there's so much history and a lot of it is convoluted and some of it is redacted and some of it's rebooted and some of it's just bad mm-hmm. that, you know, you may just need to jump in feet first into the deep end of the pool and see what you like or don't like about it. Yeah. In right. the case of and- Batman... I would say don't buy any Batman right now. Don't buy Detective, <laughs> don't buy Batman, because you're not going to understand what's going on because we're right in the middle of a huge story arc. So it might be better if you wait until, I don't know, January, when the series, something happens in the series. And that might be a good jumping on part point. If it were six months ago, I would say go read Detective Comics, Paul Denny's uh, run with Detective, because he's got this done-in-one mentality where they are, like Matthew said, self-contained stories that don't necessarily tie into the rest of what's going on. Right. And just going along with Batman, remember that trade paperbacks are your friends, although you have to pick out the right ones. If you pick out Long Halloween, it's not the current Batman continuity. Right. It kind of stands outside of it to a certain degree. It's kind of a one-shot tale, but it's very much Batman. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get started on Batman, pick up you know the Long Halloween. Well, that brings up another question. Should people new to comics just start with trade paperbacks or should they start with single issues matthew i would say that there's there's a lot to be said for either a trade paperback will give you the equivalent of a book reading experience so maybe for your very first if you're trying to say to your girlfriend hey there's this thing that i do and you're not really going to like it but at least i'm not dressing up like a woman you may want to give her a complete story say the first six issues of something that you really liked, Mm -hmm. something that you enjoy that you could maybe discuss with her and say, this is what I liked about that, or this is where the, you know, this is the point where it's really cool. Empowered may not be a good choice. Well, maybe not, but (laughs) once you've gotten that, once you've gotten that introduction and that basic of, this is kind of the way comic book storytelling works, you will find that they may want to, you know, read individual issues. I, I have a friend who I introduced to comics maybe five years ago. And what did you give she, that person? I started with, I believe, some Sandman, Sandman Volume oh, okay. 1. All right. Mm-hmm. I also started with some more traditional stuff. Um, I had a couple of Spider-Man trade paperbacks, um, the... Two issues, uh, Nothing Stops the Juggernaut, mm-hmm. which to me is a quintessential Spider-Man story that you can always look at. You don't need to know about you know, whether he was dating Mary Jane or Gwen that day or mm-hmm. whether or not Harry was dead or alive. These are pretty much irrelevant. Rodrigo, what were you going to start gonna, with things like that? What were you going to say, trade or single issue? Um, I would actually probably go trade all the way unless you – have your single issues that you can just hand to a friend. Right. If a friend's like, hey, man, give me a reading list, I'm like, okay, here's a handful of trades that you should pick up. Okay. We had this very interesting conversation a couple of weeks ago, uh, and it may appear in one of the bonus episodes over the holidays. Uh, 
I'm teaching a class right now, and I've mentioned it before on the show. I'm teaching a class about comic books to film, and it's all about what happens during adaptation. This is the interesting thing for this class, and it's totally blown me away. It totally defies every convention of who would be taking this class. <laughs> Most of the time, you would think, who's taking the class comics to film? People who are into comics or who are into film or at least have some passing familiarity with comics and are mostly male. This class, literally, I've done the numbers, literally 80% female, 20% male, nobody in the class has read a comic book before. Mm. Nobody. And so we were talking, okay, what would be a good introductory book to get them to, to think about comic books and then looking at the movie adaptation. And we settled with The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen by Alan Moore, which in itself is pretty deep. Now, the students uh, last week had to have the book read. I went out and bought copies for all of them uh, so that they didn't have to spend their money because, you know, some of them may not like it. Some of them may dig it. Some of them may just not care. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ten bucks, right? They read it, and we went to class, and, of course, they've already read the McLeod book about understanding comics. And for the most part, everybody liked it. Everybody didn't have a comment. In fact, one girl was supposed to go out with her boyfriend, and they were late to go see a movie because she wanted to finish reading the comic book. Nice. uh, Or the graphic novel or the trade or whichever it was. Another girl in class said, "Uh, I kept getting distracted by the pictures. I was too busy looking at the pictures and not reading Mm -hmm. the content. And so I said, well, you know, that's part of the, the experience. Yeah. And so that was very cool. Uh, to see that happen with some of these students to actually have them experience a comic book for the first time and maybe decide that this is something that they want to investigate further. Mm -hmm. And so a trade paperback, I think, might be a good introduction. Now, what trade that is, well, we've gone over that list, and you can find it up in the Major Spoilers forum, of our 30 favorite trade paperbacks. Some of them are like Watchmen, and some of them are, you know, um, Dark Knight Returns, which probably are too heavy for mm-hmm. people to understand. But certainly like what what Rodrigo had on his list and what we had, Age of Reptiles is a yeah. very cinematic type book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Runaways is a superhero book that's not really your n- mainstream superheroes. Right. And, you know, other smaller titles might be just up somebody's alley. Hellboy might be right up somebody's alley. Atomic Robo might be up somebody's alley. I got mm-hmm. my wife kind of into into what I was doing, first of all, when we were dating, she said, oh, good Lord, here's this guy that's reading comic books. But instead of, like a lot of other significant others that say, I shun you and you shall not have anything with comic books, she was kind of interested in it and would ask questions. And so she would go to the comic book shop with me, and she was like, well, I would sure like to get something to read sometime. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, and thinking very stupidly at the time, you're a girl. Here's a comic book with a girl in it. And it's Batgirl. Why don't you just read this while we're driving, you know, across town? And she read it, and she's like, well, this was a pretty good story. Was it like Barbara Gordon? No, it wasn't Barbara uh, Gordon. It was, it was Cassandra like Cain. Ninja yeah, yeah. not speaking Batgirl. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so she really got a kick I out like of what it character. was. And so the next comic book story we went with, I got her the first trade and said, well, check this out. Mm-hmm. And for a while, we were buying, you know, two issues of Batgirl every month, one for me and one for her, mm-hmm. because she really, really <laughs> enjoyed Batgirl. Then toward the end such of that, a geek. I know. But then towards the, the end issue. of that, towards the end of no, that series, I forget what happened at the end of the that edges. first Batgirl run. Uh, but something weird happened with Cassandra Kane, and there was some weird was pulling it, in. Was from, it that psychic guy? 
it it may have been I don't remember how it's been such a long time but she was just like all these other characters uh-huh. from the other bat books started filtering into the batgirl uh-huh. title and at that point she was like I really don't know who these people are the story's getting weird and she kind of lost interest in that mm-hmm. but she still occasionally will say well what's going on with this character or what's going on with that so she still has some interest so maybe if you can find a story that fits what the interest is of that person, that might be the best point. That's exactly what you were saying, Matthew, with the person that you gave the um, the Sandman tale to. Mm-hmm. She's probably very much into that gothy type stuff. Not really so much, but really? she did. She likes. Um, she had read things like the Anita Blook and the Anita Blake and the Mary Gentry <laughs> novels, <laughs> and she had a love of that. You know that kind of. I wouldn't say gothy, but she has an understanding of the whole, we are so different, we must be different. But see, that's the other thing, is I don't think people who are wanting to get into comic books or have some interest in comic books and hear us talking on the show all the time, yes, we do talk about DC and Marvel a lot, but Mm -hmm. there are so many other genres out there that you might be Mm -hmm. interested in. If you're a gamer, you might be interested in the World of Warcraft comic books. If you're into the Cthulhu stuff... There's certainly Cthulhu stuff that's out there for you. If you're into the kid stuff that you, when you were a kid, they are still printing Carl Barks, Uncle Scrooge adventures, mm-hmm. and they are still printing Archie comics. So there's that stuff that's out there for you as well. Chances are, I have any any property that you like that is somewhat famous. There's probably a comic book out there for it. Okay, so let me just throw out some genres. I'm into westerns. What should I read if I'm into westerns? Jonah Hex. Is that too deep, though, Jonah Hex? No, seriously. Jonah Hex has. I could, a, I could go Jonah and pick up issue very... twenty-five right now, and I would have no yeah. trouble. Jonah Hex has, from the beginning, had a done-in-one mentality. Okay. So each issue is a vignette of Jonah Hex, and it's a very, you know, that dark, unforgiven kind of Western feel, but it's mm-hmm. still very Western. I would also recommend Zorro from Dynamite, mm-hmm. which is very much a Western. Um, they just launched The Man with No Name. Which, if you like I, that movie series, you might be a little bit disappointed in that, but it still upholds the man with no name mentality. And this is a direct follow up to the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. So there's, I don't read there it anymore that. myself, but I know the Lone Ranger comic has gotten some good reviews at Gatekeeper. Okay, so what if I am into? What if I'm not into World of Warcraft, but I'm into? some other gaming-type stuff? What comics are out there for me? Well, specifically, if, if you're into fantasy, there's um, the Telos stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's actually really good by Mike Waringo, and that's right. that's actually a concluded series that you can pick up in trade. There you go. It's, it's a whole, you can pick up the, the whole series in one trade, yeah. right? Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. They come out. Um, Battle Chasers. Did oh, I, I ever... love Battle Chasers. <laughs> Battle Chasers is Red great. Red Monica. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Um, by um, Joe Madureira. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How was that again? <laughs> Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Red Monica. And those no, two I meant the Joe Madureira. What else You can't say his name without sounding a little drunk. What if, and this is something that we've talked about before, I've got a young child, a six, seven, eight, ten-year-old. What do I get for them? Molly and I really enjoy both Super Friends. Mm-hmm which is the new take on Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. It has the icons that she associates with cartoons and comics. And she was also a fan of Legion of Superheroes in the 31st century and Mm. was trying to make the differentiation. I I talked about this before. We had an issue that wasn't about the Legion. It was about Arm Fall-Off Boy. 
Yeah. And she can't really read, but she can read enough to get context and the, the pictures. So we read it together. And she was explaining to her mom that Arm Fall Off Boy is in the Legion, but he's not really part of the Legion. They don't really like him because he's weird, but it's okay because he's a hero anyway. And, I mean, <laughs> little cute. kids will pick up bits of stuff like that. The The Marvel Adventures line, if you're looking at superhero comics, you, especially Jeff Parker's um, a Marvel uh, Avengers title. What about Power Pack or whatever that is? Yeah, Power Pack's Power fun. Franklin Richards. Uh, no. Franklin Richards. Franklin Richards is for grown-ups. I've got a good title that's kind of all ages, especially for maybe, well, no, I think it'd still work. Hero Bear and the Kid, if you've not read that, oh. that series. Uh, it's a self-contained thing about a kid who has this bear that comes to life and they have adventures and the payoff at the end when you find out who the kid's grandfather is is just wonderful and it's a mm -hmm. story that i think i'm going to pull out every year for my kid when he's old enough uh to, to read that hero bear and the kid excellent what happens if if i'm one of those people that's like oh man i don't want any of this make-believe stuff i want to read something about like real life people things that you know that pertain to me that doesn't have fantasy characters or talking bears or people wearing capes get out of my show no, <laughs> <laughs> no that is what we say actually. something that you know appeals a lot it, it tends to appeal to a certain subgenre, but it has mostly real characters in it strangers in paradise that's what i was going to really say strangers in paradise what about mm -hmm. love and rockets love and rockets is a they're both very they're they're not a hard sell but they're both tend to be aimed at a market that's already somewhat aware of them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, those are both good ones. I would say... Now, both of those series have concluded, though, right? Terry Moore, Strangers Correct. in Paradise, and, and Love and Rockets. Is, that one's over, too? Yeah, well, ye, mostly. I, I Love and Rockets tends it up to go again. Oh, okay. So, uh, actually, some of these would be, you know, go, go again to the trade and start mm -hmm. with Volume 1 and see if you like that. Right. What um, about what about a series like Liberty Meadows? Now that has some talking animals in it. True. But that's but they're very they're they're very urbane talking animals. Right. L Liberty Meadows falls to me under the same sort of header as PvP, which yes. when it comes out in comic format, it's it's episodic kind of comic strippy humor, which definitely something that you could get into. Uh, Liberty Meadows has some gorgeous art to it. So if you have somebody who's a fan of the female form and has uh, well, even you know, if a you're sense of humor if you just have a goofy sense of humor and you just like good art i mean frank cho yeah. is is great on that mm -hmm. what yeah. about people who come in i mean so there's obviously you know strangers in paradise which is a series that i think i would really like to read sometime i just have never gotten around yeah i mean either. to that so that may I have be such a, a long list and most of them does include talking animals and <laughs> exploding giant robots so I, I just have not yeah. gotten to strangers in paradise what happens if i want something a little bit more hardcore something that's like you know metal dude and i'm into this ah oh, the established manarchy woo what do we got there? Transmetropolitan. Oh, there's yeah. a good one. And that's another Amor one that's a concluded series. Mm. Yep. Amory Wars from Image, which is written by the guys from Coheed and Cambria, is mm -hmm. probably another good one. Mm -hmm. um, there was one that was just right on the tip of my tongue for that. Woo! Were you going to say Preacher? Uh, preacher less so. But yeah, I would say Preacher appeals to Shmobots. that. Shmobots. Shmobots was a nice little fun series. And I think for people in that kind of slacker mentality, they might get a kick mm -hmm. out of a Schmobots as well. Um, mm -hmm. Milk and cheese. That's what it was. Now Milk those are some, cheese. yeah, those are some, uh, what about Max so, and Max and, uh, 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 what's the other Sam one? Sam and Max. Sam and Max. Milk and, 
Milk and Cheese would be great for that kind of rock and roll guy from 16 to 21 because Milk and Cheese is all about looking at conventions and then hitting him over the head with a bottle of gin, which – so you get the depth and you also get the cheap fart joke at the end. It's kind of the per- <laughs> melange of both sides of my personality. So. One of the nice things that I like about Marvel Comics oh! – that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> Uh, the nice thing about Marvel Comics is at the beginning of every issue, they have that recap page mm-hmm. that tell you what happened either in the story or in the issue before. Right. It's usually so kind of two paragraphs. The first one is like, bitten by a radioactive spider, blah, blah, blah. And right. the second paragraph is like, after making a deal with Mephisto, here's all the crazy stuff that's happened. Right. And so that is actually kind of a nice little bridge, I think, to get people who want to dive right into the middle of a story mm-hmm. into something. Now, I don't know anything about Thor. I, I've said before on the show, I'm not a huge Marvel reader. But when that new Thor series started out, mm-hmm. I read into it, and I don't know anything about what's happened in previous Thor. I don't know anything about who these characters are. I don't know who, uh, what is it, Adam Blake? Is that his name when he's not Thor? Robert, no, not Robert not Blake. Not Robert Blake. That's <laughs> Donald Blake. Donald, Donald Blake. Blake. You know, Adam Blake is Captain Comet. There you go. Well, yeah, see, there you I go. I should have known because I'm looking at your Scrooge McDuck here. I should have thought of Donald Duck. There you go. Um, but I love that series. And, and that that's, series is, what, maybe 10, 15 issues long now? Mm-hmm. It's not a hard series to get into. And it's kind of, again, kind of like The Runaway, separate from the rest of the Marvel Universe. It is. both. I would say that both the Thor and current Ghost Rider run are real good. Because those are two characters that I was not, Familiar. had never really been into um, and I've gotten into them because they're like, okay, these guys are kind of separate. They're doing their own thing. They're not involved in Secret Invasion, mm-hmm. except Thor is now. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it's in a separate title from Thor. I'm a big George Lucas fan, and, and I hear there's Star Wars books. Oh, there's thousands of Star Wars comic books. Mm-hmm. I would yes. I would specifically recommend Tales of the Jedi, Knights of the Old Republic, which is a little confusing because now there's this huge Knights of the Old Republic uh, series. Right. Um, but specifically the Tales of the Jedi series, I read a lot of those and those were really good. They take place like a thousand years before the Battle of Yavin. So mm-hmm. if you uh, if you are not terribly familiar with the Star Wars universe, a lot of those books will bring you up to speed real quickly and they take place in a different time frame or a time period than the, the Star Wars movies. So they're, they're, they stand apart to a degree where it's easy to get into and there's enough that they'll just explain as they go. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a big fan of TV series stuff. Well, you know, Chuck is now a comic book. <laughs> does, Chuck, does Chuck sell where, well at the uh, Gatekeeper Comics and Hobbies? I couldn't begin to tell you. We never actually get any. What about uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Buffy sells really, really well. Um, for a while there, our Buffy numbers were actually swollen beyond our X-Men numbers. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Buffy is a book. Um, Angel and Spike are also getting their own titles, you know, or getting some spillover to their titles from Buffy sales. Anita Blake, likewise, is getting kind of the same crowd. A lot of the Buffy people also have Anita Blake. Cause, so uh, cause the, you can't get the whole enough of dark the, vampire you know, slayer yeah, guy. Buffy vampire stuff, yeah. So I, I guess one of the things that we're talking about here is once you identify what genre you like, yeah. there is a comic book for every genre that you are interested that you are in. There are adult comic books out there mm-hmm. that have hardcore pornography, 
And just on the porno side, let me diverge. Let me tell you two really good series that are <laughs> X-rated that are really good. The first one is Ironwood by Bill Willingham. Mm. And you have to see if you look past all the very graphic sex and nudity that happens in it, it actually has a really good story in it. Hmm. Uh, unfortunately, it was told over five years, and there were like two-year gaps in between, so that's kind of mm. jumpy. The other one, which is a humorous one, is by the guy who does uh, Girl Genius, and it's called Triple X File, right? Xenophile is what it's called, but it's Triple X. Phil, Phil, Phil Foglio. Foglio. Yeah. Those are – they're just funny, and they're sex – and if you, if you have an open mind, I think you would enjoy those. But yes, there are adult comics – out there and they're usually in the back and not every store will carry them um i'm pretty sure gatekeeper does not carry triple x comics do they matthew not as far as you know (laughs) (laughs) um but some stores will say no we will forbid carrying this uh i know some dealers who will refuse to order the stuff even if you order it out of the adult previews but there is stuff there but once you identify the genre the stuff that you like and that is the important thing because I've talked to a lot of people who are like, yeah, I try to get into comic books, but I'm just not into Superman and Spider-Man. Or whatever. Right. It's like, well, there's probably a comic book specifically for what you like because the comic books are a medium. Right. It's not – they're means not that genres. They're fairly well done. <laughs> yeah. You won't get salmonella from Rina. No, but then once you identify kind of what kind of things you're into – Go to a comic book shop. Just look in the phone book, or uh, what is it? One eight hundred comic book. I think is the uh, is the number that you can call, and you can find a comic book shop in your area. Go and talk to the comic book dealer and say, "Hey, this is what I like. These are some things I'm interested in. I've heard on this podcast, or I've heard other people talking about comic books that this is what I, you know, that I should read some of these things. What have you got?" Mm-hmm. And if you have a really good comic book owner or manager who's working in the store, they'll take the time to say, oh, okay, you are a valued customer, somebody who might spend money. Let me take you around and show you what we have and some things that you might be interested in as opposed to, I'm too busy sealing these comic books up, but go away. Hmm. Our, hey. our new comics are over there on the shelf. Leave me alone. Hey, I only I, do that on Sundays. You know, another <laughs> good place to start, major spoilers. I don't know the number of people, or I can't, you know, there's a lot of them. That have 11. read our reviews and have said, hey, after reading two or three of your reviews, I'm interested in that comic and now have become a reader of that comic. Mm-hmm. So Major Spoilers is a great place to kind of find out what's out there. And I'm not just saying that as a plug. But if you're thinking – But also saying that as a plug. Yes, but also saying not, it as a plug. Not just <laughs> saying it as a plug. Yeah, there you go. Um, I think another thing that I would say is if you're thinking about buying a comic or a series – Go ahead and do it. Don't wait. Don't go, oh, let me wait six issues and see if it comes yeah. out on trade. Because there's a good chance that that series could falter and never get a trade, and you've missed out on a good story. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You know, Certainly, we've talked before about uh, low numbers on certain books will cause them to end. Uh, we've talked Blue Beetle. I hear word that uh, Batman Confidential might be canceled, which is fine by me because I don't think they should have – uh, canceled Legends of the Dark Knight just to start off, start up Batman Confidential. Mm-hmm. But if you're thinking of a title that looks interesting to you, buy it. If you like it, go back to your comic book shop and tell them, hey, I bought Mouse Guard is a perfect example. I bought Mouse Guard, and, you know, so many people missed out on that series because people maybe bought the first issue and didn't tell their local comic shop that they liked it, so it was not reordered. And some people only have the first issue, and they, did, and they missed out on a huge, great, great series. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the industry kind of has a, its own unique way of getting new readers on board, and it's called a reboot. Mm-hmm. Mm. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, I certainly think if if you were wanting to go into for a modern retelling of, say, Superman, John Byrne, when he rebooted the series in the 80s, might be a good place to start. Yeah. Another place to start might be the one year later uh, series where uh, it was no. called Up, Up, and Away. No? Don't start there. No. Okay. But, I mean, are reboots <laughs> good or bad, or what, what are your thoughts on reboots? It, I, honestly, it depends on the reboot. I, I think sometimes reboots are motivated by the right things and sometimes they're motivated by the wrong things and sometimes they're well executed and sometimes they're poorly executed and unless all of those things align well the reboot is probably going to crash or it's not going to it's not going to go well and it's going to require a lot of fixing i think when they did for example crisis on infinite earths um it was two things they wanted to get people involved in with DC comics, but the continuity was too huge and they wanted to streamline their continuity. And I think it was that initial, uh, idea, like the, the drive to do it was to streamline things. And Mm -hmm. that was a good impulse. And that's why the period immediately following it, um, you know, not counting the cleanup that had to be done after. Right. Um, zero hour, anyone. Right. Exactly. Um, was a good period to to start picking up those comics. Right. And and even if you were to go back now and start reading those comics, I mean, it is kind of a year one, mm-hmm. you know, retelling of things mm-hmm. anyway. Well, hey, there you go. If you're wanting to get into Batman, read year one and year two from Frank Miller. Those are some good mm-hmm. intro mm. Batman stuff, I think. At least year one is. Year now, one is not necessarily introductory level. I would say year one would be great if you already have an understanding and a like well, of Batman, I think, which I think a lot people, of people do. Yeah, I think most people who've seen Dark Knight know who Jim Gordon is, know who Batman is, know who some of the main criminal people are, and so they could get into that. Uh, well, and that's big kind chunks of, a, of Batman, re- Batman Begins were actually... Batman Redacted. Whatever. But they came from or were at least inspired strongly by the year one story. Right. So I would say that it's it's a stepping on point, definitely, but it's not necessarily where I would start if you want to really enjoy Batman. Well, let me ask it's, you that. Okay, go ahead. It, it's a good place to, to, you know, it's a good Batman story, but to me it's not the place where you want to start because it's Batman's origin. If I want to start a Batman story, I want to start with Batman doing something. True. To me, you know, I'd, I'd be looking at some of the trade paperbacks, the greatest Batman story ever told. Uh, there was a trade paperback a couple of years ago of the Neil Adams Batman stories from the yeah. 70s, which yeah. were, you know, all action, all to business. And the Marshall Rogers and Steve Englehart run, which I believe is collected as Strange Apparitions, their run on Detective Comics is a great place to start Batman because it starts in mid-story. But it gives you everything you need to know, and it shows you on panel, here's Bruce Wayne, and this is why Bruce Wayne does what he does, and this is how the Bruce Wayne identity kind of acts as a mask for the Batman identity. It gives you a romance, it gives you some stories, it even gives you you know, a, a supervillain in Hugo Strange, who isn't really all that villainous. He thinks he's doing the right thing. Yeah. It's, a great, it's a great active Batman story, whereas to me, year one is kind of a... Once you understand Batman, or once you've got that whole first issue of Batman stuck under your belt, then you can go back and build up, well, here's who he is and how he became to be. Well, let's go back to reboots for a minute, Matthew. Oh, don't even get me started on reboots. Well, 
Legion of Superheroes has been rebooted at least this is the third time. Well, yeah, this this would be the third individual universal reboot. Right. Legion Legion is a good example of a title that is constantly rebooting in subtle ways. Because the first few, I mean, the first probably five years of the Legion are all about Superboy and his amazing friends. Right. And there comes a point where they consciously take Superboy out of the series. And it's almost like a whole new book. And Legion has gone through, you know, little periods where, and it's not by accident that some of the most successful times have been when they're, you know, divorced from DC continuity in the 20th century. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. They have the run where you get up to, and this is my big my big thing now, and I've been mentioning this a lot. I don't know really how or when I'm going to touch on Legion of Three Worlds and Action Comics, the new stuff, in the hero histories we've been doing, because I don't know where they fit yet. But there comes a point in Legion history where about 1990, they do kind of a test reboot right. and jump the whole series forward five years in time and give us a more grown-up Legion a darker legion in a more dangerous universe. And these are some of my favorite stories. But the problem with reboots comes later. So they reboot the legion after that five-year gap, and they give us your legion, Steve, the the Archie Legion. I love the Archie Legion. And it was a good story. The problem with the Archie Legion for me was it retold stories that I'd already seen. And there's one of two ways that can go. Either the story goes someplace interesting and different like say invisible kid invisible kid in his original incarnation was kind of drab he was a guy in a suit who turned invisible yeah but isn't that the point i mean that's the whole point of a reboot though i mean yes it's but, stories that you've already read if people go and read ultimate spider-man those are stories that have already been told in the original spider-man story but the mentality of the industry is look it's been 20 years these kids right. that were in their in their teens and are now in their late thirties, uh, who may stop reading comic books, they've had this whole history of of comic books. We need to gather the new fresh crowd. So now we're going to do a reboot. This is the same but reason why. Also- this is the same reason why Batman has been rebooted at least twice in the in the movies. This is the reason why we had Superman Returns, which was essentially a reboot. This is why. You know, in 10 more years, we're going to have another Batman reboot to the movie series because mm-hmm. we're trying to gather these new readers. So on the one hand, I can I, I kind of I think I agree with Rodrigo that reboots can be good in that they clean up a lot of mess and they invite new readers on. But I also agree with you, Matthew, in that reboots can suck because they're they're essentially redoing some of the stuff that we've already seen before. How many times right. do we have to see uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Wayne get gunned down? How many times Fish. do we have to see the Kents finding a, 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 pla- a, a crashed spaceship in the, in the field to retell right. those two origin stories? And when, when you but, look at the Legion reboot specifically, one thing that, that comes up that's a problem for me is sometimes they feel the need to retell that story differently. Right. Mm-hmm. So, as when Pharaoh Lad died heroically saving the universe in the pre-boot version of the Legion, in the rebooted Archie Legion, Pharaoh Lad did not die and then became essentially a dull background player because, to some degree, the whole point of Pharaoh Lad was he died young and heroically. Who were the writer? Who was the writer artist in Archie Legions? Um, Mark Wade started yes. it off. It went through Tom Pyre, uh, <laughs> Roger Stern, and several other people. The artists were. Um, the initial artist was a guy named Jeff Moy, I believe. 
You know, we've got uh, the hero histories of the Legion are going to wrap up soon. I would I would love to get Mark Wade back on just to talk Legion, and because yeah. he's gone through two different versions of the Legion. You know, the right. Archie Legion and then the current Legion. He's actually gone through three because I think oh, he wrote now. I don't remember if he wrote pre-crisis. I, I would say the he, Legion of Superheroes is probably not a place to start with comics. Not at it's, all. It's and be there's hard. A, there's a, another inherent trap in in reboots. Yesterday, just yesterday, I did a hero history of a Legionnaire who no longer exists mm-hmm. because the five year gap portion of the Legion came after Crisis on Infinite Earths rewrote the Legion's history so that Tom Welling was no longer in it. Hmm. So, some of my favorite Legion characters, like Kono and Kent Shakespeare, never had. You're making those names up. Because <laughs> the Legion never had a five-year gap in the real, quote-unquote, and mm-hmm. I'm air-quoting right now, like Heather Chandler. Um, in the real Legion universe that we're now seeing in Legion of Three Worlds, there was no five-year gap, which means Block was never murdered. Most of these characters didn't go through the permutations that they did. Cosmic Boy never lost his powers. I mean, things that were kind of interesting, and some of them, to me, were intrinsic to the characters. Like, Element Lad's story arc was great. They never happened. True. So, now I have to take into account, when I'm reading Legion of Three Worlds, and I see Block running around, I'm like, oh, right, he's not dead anymore, except he never was dead so because this is not that legion but, so but that's us guys that are already into yeah comics. that's already into we're, we're the ones who kind of have to deal with this stuff you know it's like uh do i like a green goblin on a uh glider that looks like a bat or do i like a giant mutant guy that flings fireballs you know we're the ones who have to deal with that as a new reader you get into ultimate spider-man that's all you have to deal with so final thoughts on where to start in comics rodrigo um i would say make sure that you know what genres you like. Right. And if that genre is not superheroes good for you, it's going to be a lot easier. And then you can work your way back to superheroes. Matthew? Start with something that you like to look at, with an artist you like or with a character you like. Even if it's something where, for instance, I read Strangers in Paradise for the Pretty Girls at first and got hooked. If you have something you like to look at or something, you know, that you're staring at that page and going, wow, this is fascinating, then you can work your way into the whole pictures juxtaposed with words a lot more simply. I would agree with both. I think good advice, Rodrigo, good advice, Matthew. I would wrap that up by saying find a good comic book shop Mm -hmm. where they actually take the time to help you find the stuff that you're interested in. Don't like gamekeeper jump, hobbies. <laughs> don't jump on the bandwagon just because everybody else is reading it. Don't say, "Oh, I got to read X Men because everybody's reading X Men." Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to read Final Crisis because everybody's reading Final Crisis. You're not going to like that stuff if you're forced into it, and it's stuff that you don't like. So find a good comic shop. Take everybody's advice here uh, into heart uh, for new comic book readers. And if you're trying to convert somebody into comics, kind of follow adv- our advice again. Find the genre that they're interested in, and. Find, find something, something that, that, you like to that you're going to look at. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the show this time. Uh, don't forget to tell everybody about the show. Tell some new comic book readers. This might be a perfect episode to burn to a CD and give to somebody who's just getting into comics and say, hey, listen to this segment of the show where they talk about why you should listen, why you should be reading comics. 
visit the website, Majorspoilers.com. Get them to go to that. We would appreciate everybody who comes and, and uh, visits the website. Hit us up and, and friend us at MySpace, myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Uh, we really appreciate all the positive comments everyone leaves on iTunes and Podcast Alley and even up on the Major Spoilers forum and website. We really appreciate everything that everyone has to say about the show. What else am I missing? If you have comments, if you have suggestions, if you have ideas, even if you have complaints. We had a complaint today. We fixed that person's problem just like that. It has to do with the RSS feed. Slimlined it for this person. Makes reading the site that much more enjoyable for him. All you have to do, send us an email at podcast at majorspoilers.com. Now, next week, we are going to return to our trade paperback reviews with a... It's not a... uh, It's more of a graphic novel review... Uh, it's come from another company called Arcana Studios, or Arcana Comics. It's called Corrective Measures, and that's going to be our discussion next week on the show. So until then, remember, we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we'll talk to you next time. Go get him, Yaris! Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the man of Rogers.